get home to what, 3.30 today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we Mexican. ate at Mexican, and we had a great, uh, we had a wonderful lunch, and uh, everybody was getting up and leaving, and... Uh, I went to the car and fell asleep. Yeah, he went to the car, inside. and I could tell <laughs> that uh, Brianna had something on her mind. And so I just, everybody was gone. It was just me and her left at the table, and I just looked at her, and I said, what? I said, you, I said, I can tell you don't look okay. What's going on? And we just had one of the best godly conversations we've ever had, and it was wonderful. Um, Derek came back in and sat down with us and listened Miss and joined Ann in, and then Miss Ann came in. I told Derek at one point, after I realized, oh, we're going to be here a little while longer, I said, Derek, text Pastor Mike. <laughs> Yeah, his, te and his text woke me up. I was I already said, asleep. I said, text him. <laughs> I just had, I had visions of him tapping his fingers in the car going, what are they doing? <laughs> yep. Yeah, unfortunately, this new watch buzzes when I get a text. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good thing. That's a good thing. Glory to God. Actually, I like that feature, but, but it did wake me up. <laughs> so, yeah, so, but we had a real good conversation around the things of God, and it was wonderful. Well, we done pray, but we'll pray again. It is prayer and healing school. Um, glory to God. And um, we done had God's healing power has already showed up during prayer time. Uh, heavy anointing. Uh, laid hands on Pastor Mike at the unction of the Holy Ghost. And it's the first time I've ever laid hands on somebody and have them fall forward on me. <laughs> I was like, oh, this is fun. <laughs> We're going this way. <laughs> glory to God. The anointing came this way instead of that way. <laughs> but that's okay. Those things happen. So let's just pray real quick, and then we'll get in on our teaching about the healings in the Gospels. Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your mercy. Father, as we approach your word, we ask that you give us supernatural wisdom, revelation, and knowledge, that you open up the eyes of our understanding, that we may come to know you and the Lord Jesus and the Holy Ghost better. Father, we ask that you think through mine and Michael's minds. You speak through our lips the very oracles of God. Use our tongue as that of the pen of the ready writer to declare your word. And, Father, we give you all the glory and all the honor, and we thank you that the word is sowed upon the good ground of the heart in Jesus' mighty name. Amen, amen and amen. Well, last week we started on a journey, and it's going to be a journey. The Lord told us to go through every healing in the Bible. Every healing oh, in the so Bible. I need to go get the other book again? Huh? I need to go get the other you book. You might need again. to get your other book. <laughs> uh, we're going to go through every healing that takes place in the Bible and kind of look at them and analyze them and, and talk about them uh, and see that there's healing provided in every book of the Bible. Uh, but obviously it's going to be a journey. And so that we don't have, like, Sermon 57 in the same series, <laughs> we're going to break it down into smaller segments. And so the segment that we're on right now is healing in the Gospels. Healing in the Gospels. And, uh, of course, last week we started in, um, with the very first healing that takes place in the Bible. And it, st and it starts right after... Jesus is water baptized, and he's in the desert for 40 days. He's full of the power of God. Um, That's not the first healing in the Bible. There's healing in the no, Old no, Testament. No, no, in the New Testament. Okay. First healing in the Gospels. 
Okay. First healing in the Gospels that takes place in the New Testament. Um, Jesus is full of the power of God. He spent 40 days uh, getting God's plan, getting lined up with God, loving God, uh, spending time with him. And then the devil shows up, and the devil tries to get him off track, but Jesus puts the devil on the run. And then Jesus gets the news that John the Baptist has been beheaded. And uh, he goes, so how much do you know? You get full of the power of God, and then challenges come. Well, the same thing happens with healing. You get full of the knowledge that God wants you healed, and then symptoms come. You know, so we can see that. But we got right here towards the end of chapter 4 in verse 23. And uh, right off the bat, so if a new believer says, man, I got born again, I want to find out about this Jesus, if they can make it through the lineage of chapter 1, if they can make it through that lineage, then they start to find out how Jesus came into existence. That's pretty entertaining. And then they find out about what I just reviewed. And the very next thing they see is that Jesus is the healer. In verse 23, reads this. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom. Glory to God. And healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. Now, I'm not going to break all this down. We broke this down last week. You've got to go back and get the recording if you didn't get it. But what I want you to see is that Jesus did, uh, number one, he went teaching in the synagogues, which is the churches, which means that healing can be found in the churches. Healing can be found in the churches. And, and, but before he healed anybody, he preached and he taught. He preached and he taught. And then after he preached and he taught, because you've got to get faith in the people, and the only way to get faith in the people is to teach them, is he taught, and after he taught, every person that was sick received healing. Amen. There was not a single person left out. Every person that came, every person that heard was healed. Many that were healed were delivered of devils and demons. Now, this is not popular amongst many people because many people don't even believe in devils and demons, which I find hard to believe because if you spend any time in your word, you know that Jesus cast devils and demons out regularly. In fact, there were times that the only way people got here, when, when Jesus cast the devil and the demon out, health and healing came immediately. Amen. Why is that? And, I, and I'm just reviewing this because the Holy Spirit said to review it. Why is it that, you know, if you cast out a demon, healing comes? Because demons... Because sickness comes from the devil. There is no sickness in heaven. God has no sickness. The Bible declares there's no sickness in heaven in the book of Revelations. Well, there's no sickness in heaven in the book of Revelations. There's no sickness in, in heaven today. And God, in, in order for God to put a sickness on you, he'd have to steal it from the devil. He the, into that. He's not into that. That's not his personality. No, sickness comes because that's a tool of the enemy to bring death. To bring death. 
I've said this before. Lily, Dr. Lillian Yeoman, who was very anointed of God, said that sick, he, she said it this way. She said, disease is the beginning of the death cycle. Disease is the beginning of the death cycle. In other words, when you come down with a disease, it wears the body out and brings death to the body. Well, who brings? who is the author of death? Satan. Death entered the world when Satan deceived Adam and Eve in the garden. So um, demons, or, or uh, what's referred to as false gods, little g gods, uh, are, are the ones that bring sickness. The Bible declares that demons are messengers of Satan. So what happens is Satan looks down, and Satan says, to one of his messengers, he looks so he looks down at Billy Bob, and he looks to his messenger and he says, "Here, I've wrapped up a package. You, messenger, go deliver this to Billy Bob." And Billy Bob takes the package. What's in the package? Sickness and disease. So, what do you have to do in order to get the sickness and disease to go? You've got to get rid of the messenger. And so, sometimes you got. And so that's why. Um, Sometimes sicknesses, uh, in order to get somebody healed, you've got to get them set free of devils and demons. See, I don't even think the devil goes into into that much specifics. He probably, I, I, I think he gives he he finds he takes his messengers and he lines them up and he says, "Here's a package for you. Here's a package for you. Here's a package for you. Here's a package for you." Now go out there and see see whom you can devour. Yeah, go see who you can deliver that sickness to. So we saw that we went into great detail about that. And again, you can go back that last, to last week's message online and listen to it. And then, um, but, but notice it says that in verse 23, it says, And healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease. Well, I just have a headache. Guess what? That's a manner of sickness. God wants to heal it. Well, I just have this cut. Well, God wants to heal it. It's a manner of sickness. Well, I have this horrible death disease. Guess what? It falls in the, under the category, all. And anything in between follows, falls in that category. So Jesus, right off the bat, in the New Testament, God said, you got a sickness? Jesus can heal it. Praise the Lord. So then um, we glanced, we, we just kind of cruised past 4, 5, 6, and 7, because this is where Jesus gave his sermon on the mount. Mm -hmm. Gave his sermon on the mount. And in that, he's teaching uh, the Jews how they are to live under this new covenant that's fixing to transpire and fixing to take place. And then we got over to chapter 8, which in my Bible I have marked with I will. Right next to chapter 8, I have the words written I will. And the reason I have that written that way is because this is what I like. What my pastor is where I learned this from. He said this is the great I will chapter. He said, if somebody ever questions, is it God's will to heal me? He said, you can take them right here to this chapter and prove that it's God's will. And you can. And so we looked at the issue of the leopard. And we looked at every account of the leper's uh, uh, testimony here. We looked, in, uh, we looked at um, Matthew 8, verses 1 through 4. Then we went and looked at Mark chapter 1, verses 40 through 45. And then we went to Luke 5, 
uh, 12 and 16. And we got a fuller picture. And we saw some amazing things. We saw that the leper came to Jesus, recognized him from a distance. When you get all three accounts, you get a bigger picture. You know, it's kind of like if, I don't know, something crazy happened right out here in the parking lot. How much you know there's there's quite a few of us in here. Every single person is going to have a slightly different take on what happened based on their angle, based on their perception, based on the time that it grabbed their attention, based and the even based on their own. Go ahead. Based on the knowledge they have beforehand. Kathy would notice things much different than we would because she's a trained physician. Right. She's going to look at it from a doctor's standpoint. I'm going to look at being pastors. We're going to look at it from a spiritual standpoint. Somebody else may look at it from a very natural standpoint, you know, and, and therefore when we come together, when, you know, if the police had to come in and get a report from all of us, our reports are not going to be exactly the no. same. In fact, if all of our reports are exactly the same, the police are going to get suspicious because that's not normal. Um, so we're all, so we're all going to give a slightly different report, but then when the police take all of the reports and put them together, you get a bit, you get the full picture. So that's what we're doing in the Gospels is we're taking the different reports and we're putting them together. And so in Matthew's account, uh, it's just a leper. The leper comes up and says, Lord, I know that you can heal me, but I don't know that you will. And he's prostrated. He's knelt down before Jesus. It doesn't say that he kneels down. It just says that he worshiped. But then we get into the other accounts, and the other accounts said that he kneeled before the Father, before Jesus, kneeled before him and worshiped him. And then, um, and Jesus says, uh, not only will I, but Jesus reaches out his hand and touches the leper. Now, if you're thinking about this, knowing what leprosy is, that it's rotting skin that creates sores and rots and oozes and things like that, your mind is going to say, well, okay, first of all, Jesus is a little crazy. He reached out and touched that. Um, But you, in my thinking, my mindset is if somebody came to me with that, I'm thinking, Lord, give me a clean spot to touch. <laughs> Give me a clean spot to touch. Like, just, just you know, find, find me a spot that's not broken out, and that's where I'm going to touch. But then we get over to Luke's account, who was the doctor, and Luke said that the man had a full, was full of leprosy. In other words, there wasn't a spot without leprosy that Jesus could touch. And Jesus touched him. And healed him. So, uh, again, we're not going into all of it, but I just want you to show why we're looking at the different accounts. And then after that, we got to looking to um, the centurion that came. The centurion that came to Jesus. And uh, by Matthew's account, it looks like the centurion himself comes. And it looks like that it's a quick little conversation with Jesus and the work is done and then we're dealt with. But then we get over to Luke's account, again, the detail-oriented person. And Luke tells us that it wasn't the centurion that came to Jesus at all. Who came to Jesus was the Jewish leaders that this centurion had helped get their synagogues built. So this Roman centurion turned to the Jewish leaders and asked the Jewish leaders to go to their teacher, their rabbi, on his behalf. And Jesus told the rabbis, 
all come. And so, so we find out in Luke's account that Jesus went with the rabbis, went with the Jews. And as he was approaching the house, we find out that the centurion still didn't come out. We found out that the centurion sent his comrades, his friends, his fellow soldiers, out to meet Jesus. And he had, and he had told his comrades to tell Jesus, I'm a, ma- I- I'm, I'm a man under authority, but I am not even worthy for you to enter my house. He said, I'm a man under authority. I understand authority. I've told these men to come, and they've come, and they'll bring me back the word. And, and that's all. You, you just give the word, and my servant will be healed. The centurion didn't even come. He sent his people out. Now, understanding that, we can understand why Matthew said, and Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Why did he marvel? Because this centurion isn't even coming to him himself. This centurion is saying, just send the word, and it's done. And that's why Jesus marveled. And Jesus said, well, if all he needs is a word, then by his faith, here's his word, the servant is healed. Now, the centurion's in the house with a sick servant. How much do you know? He immediately saw the transformation. Gives us a different view when we look at things from all of the Gospels. When you first start out reading the Gospels, you know, you, you kind of get, when you first read Matthew or whatever, a lot of people start off with uh, uh, John, and then you go and you read one of the other Gospels. You know, I honestly, truthfully be told, it took me forever before I ever read the Gospel of John. I started in the Gospel of Matthew, and I got Matthew down. I mean, I got, I got the book of Matthew down on the inside. And then, you know, so then you got Mark, and I was reading through Mark, and I'm like, this is the same stuff I already got. And then I got over to Luke, and I thought, well, Lord, I've already gotten this twice. Do I really need it three times? So by the time I got to John, I was like, Lord, I've gotten it three times. I'm good. It took me, I, I was ready to move on. So it took me a while, and the Holy Ghost had to get a hold of me and said, go back and get John. Because there's things in John that the other books don't record. So, okay. So I had to go back. So the Lord had to deal with me. Go back and get John. Oh, okay. Okay, Lord. Because there's different things, different, different recordings. Um, so, 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 but when you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you get the idea that Jesus let, healed this leopard over here. And then later, here come another leopard. And then later, here comes ten lepers. And then there's this woman with an issue of blood. And here's another woman with an issue of blood. And then here's this centurion. And then there's that centurion. And then somewhere along the lines, you keep going, these things keep happening exactly the same way which is a little difference here and a little difference there. What is this? And then you figure out, oh, it's that multi-perspective of the same thing. So that's what we're doing as we're going through these, is we're going to look at the different accounts all together at one time, and that's what we've been doing. So we ended with the centurion. So let's pick up here in uh, Matthew chapter 8 and in verse 14. Matthew eight fourteen, and uh, let's read what happens here. Glory to God. Were you not there? <laughs> not, well, this one only starts in 15. So. Oh, okay. But that's okay. I can go to 14. There you go. <laughs> so let's go to Matthew eight fourteen, and let's read. 
All right. 814, glory to God. And when Jesus was coming to Peter's house, he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. And he touched her hand, and the fever left her. And she arose, administered unto them, or and, admin, and ministered unto them. Okay, and it ran together. All right. So right there, bam, two verses. Two verses, and here's our healing. Two verses, and here's our healing. So he just got done dealing with the centurion. He's healed the leper. I mean, Jesus, is, Jesus has got healing going on. He walks a little farther, and they get to Peter's house, and he saw his wife's mother laid and sick of a fever. Jesus walked in the house and saw a sick person. Talk about the compassion of God. A lot of times we walk in the house, hey, Jax, we'll get it over here, babe. Turn that one off temporarily and turn that fan on. It is a little warm. Uh, This time I'll explain why later. Uh, um, He walks in the house and he sees a sick person. But mind you, he had spent 40 days in the desert with God. He got filled up and built up in God. Listen, when you've got that much God in you, you're going to have compassion. You're going to have compassion. You know, I, I can honestly say, just being transparent because of the issues of life, I've not spent as much time in the Word as I could be and as much time praying as I could be. I haven't taken the time out to really fast and get away like I need to. Um, but even with that, when I see a sick person, my heart immediately goes out to them. Immediately, I'll say, Lord, is there anything I can do? Like, I mean, if the Lord said, go pray for that person, man, I'd go get on it. I might, my head might tilt and be a little scared and might take me a few minutes, but I would go do it. But I'm telling you something I have found to be weird. The majority of the time, God says, pray for an open door. Majority of time, pray for an open door. The majority of the time. Because the Bible tells us not to put our pearls before the swine. In other words, listen, just because we know we carry the healing power of God in us doesn't mean every sick person is in a position to receive that power. Isn't in a position to receive that power. My husband will tell you I don't really have a good understanding of electricity. I can give you the terms and tell you what the terms mean, but when it comes to putting it all together, I kind of mess it up. But I think I understand this correctly. That if you've got a storage container that can store energy and you have an energy source to charge that energy container, if you don't have the right voltage and the right connectors, if you connect those things backwards or if you connect things with too much voltage for the container, you're going to blow up the container. True. Because the container can't receive the power. Well, the same thing happens with people. If you go to administer the power of God into them and they're not ready to receive the power, the power is going to go everywhere but into them. They won't blow up, though. They're not going to blow up. They're not going to <laughs> that would be crazy. Can you imagine that? Mental Im- Don't tell me those mental images. Too late. I'm going, what? <laughs> uh, but how much you know? The power is going to... The, the, Thankfully, the power of God knows. The power of God has a safety check in the system and says, well, I know you just hooked up to that, but that can't receive me. So, you know, it's kind of like, on that note, I think of what's called a check valve with aquariums, water systems. 
in in because they used to do aquariums and when you set up aquariums and you set up different pumps and airlines and stuff you put this little valve in there so you got the air going this way right well if the power goes out and the air is going this way the power goes out all of a sudden there's a suction on the line and the water will come out and go right through your pump and kill your pump so what you have to do is you have to put a check valve in the line which says you can only things can only flow one way through this line so the power of god kind of has a check valve in it if you go to pray for somebody that's not in position to receive the power of god says uh power up the check valve no power coming through it's kind of what it does thank god for that but here jesus full of the holy ghost peter's one of the disciples peter's wife now think about this peter's wife is um obviously a believer because she's not causing peter to have a meltdown that peter's traveling with the messiah she's not having a meltdown over it so obviously she believes in jesus too obviously she does and in fact uh she's like she's so thrilled that jesus is the messiah she said come into the house she wants to spend some of this one-on-one -on -one time with him and uh and so um jesus came into the house and saw his wife's mother laid and sick with a fever how much you know a lot of times in our culture we'll say there's a fever in the house nobody's coming in there's a fever in the house nobody's coming in Even lock the so doors now. lock the windows nobody's coming in there's a fever this contagious you know put the red flag you know the black you know the black flag out you know death zone will come in here uh you know no 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 come in here but but did they do that did they lock the doors and the windows no nope. they said uh, hey jesus come in here she got a fever <laughs> huh well no that they understood by jewish law they understood sickness and when they were sick they were to be separated but something something was different here and it said that it doesn't say that peter asked for jesus to heal it doesn't say that peter's wife asked it doesn't say that Peter's mother-in-law asked. It said that Jesus saw, and then Jesus did what? He touched her hand. He, he didn't touched even her say hand. be healed. He just touched her hand. Listen, talk about the power of God. Remember, remember, at this point, he's baptized. The presence of God is on him. The fullness of the Holy Ghost is on Jesus at all times. And he walked up to that sickness, or to that person, with sickness, and simply did that and immediately that fever left immediately the fever left according to this reading according to this reading why because no sickness can stand in the power of god no sickness. i mean think about this if the father god i want you to think about this if the father god sent the fever would it not be wrong of jesus to cause the fever to leave he'd be working against the father well, Jesus isn't working against the Father. Let's go look at another account of this. Let's turn to, um, hold on. Yeah. Let's turn to uh, Mark chapter 1, verse 16. No. <laughs> okay. verse, verse 29. Verse 29. Yes. Mark 1, 29. Mark 1, 29. All right, 29. And forthwith 
when they were come out of the synagogue, they entered into the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. But Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell, they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up. And immediately the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. Now we get a slightly different story. Now we find out that he had been in the synagogue, which we knew he had been teaching. And we find out that he enters Simon and Andrew. He enters the house with Simon and Andrew. House of Simon. Or house of Simon and Andrew. With James and John. So four of the disciples are there, but the house belongs to James. I mean, Simon Simon and Andrew. (laughs) So this teaches us that they lived in family-type units, at least to some degree. At least some of them did. Now, here we find out, but how about the healing? Uh, But it says, but Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. In other words, she wasn't just laying on the couch when he walked through the door. They, they mentioned one of them. It doesn't say which one of them said, oh, by the way, Jesus, the mother-in-law is in there sick. They didn't make a request. They didn't say, hey, can you go heal? They just said maybe they heard her coughing. We don't know what caused it um, in, in these two accounts, but for some reason they told him. Jesus, the mother-in-law is in there, and she's got a fever. Directly, yeah. So they told him quickly. And he came, and he took her by the hand and lifted her up. What did he do? He pulled her up. He got over there, and he said, basically, this is what he did. Basically, basically, he walked over to her and said, you ain't sick. Get out of the bed. How much you know that required a faith action? He got her to act on faith. He got her to act on faith. He went over, he reached out his hand, and he said, get up. Now, what if he had gone over, reached out, her, reached out his hand, and she snuggled down in the bed and, and fought him? You think she, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. She'd still be sick. She'd still be sick. Listen, I've been in services, been in services where there were people with wheelchairs. I mean, I've been in wheelchairs for a long time. And they preached healing. And I mean the anointing was thick. The glory cloud was in the room. The anointing was thick. And the minister's going down and laying hands on the sick. And he gets to the section where the people are in wheelchairs. And he goes to one person. He lays his hands on them. Prays, the anoint- prays for healing to, trans- to hit their body. Grabs them by the Just holds them by the hand. And the people got up and took off running. I've seen it with my own eyes. And then they go to the next one. In the same service, very same service, he's 100% right. Go ahead. And then they go to the next one, and they just sit there. They don't get up. They don't act on their healing, and they don't receive it either. Minister puts his hands out, and they sit there and look at him, crying, but not doing. He goes to the next one. Guess what? He reaches out their hands. He reaches out his hands to help steady them. They reach out their hands, and they give an effort, and then all of a sudden, the healing power of God hit them. Boom. Boom. The next one, the next one, boom, boom. Hit the next one, no healing. Why? Because they sat down on it. See, faith requires an action. 
faith requires an action. So when Jesus went and, and grabbed her by the hand and lifted her, he was not doing all the work. When his hand touched her hand, the healing power of God entered her. But now it was up to her to act by faith to activate that power that had gone into her. The power of God went into her, but now she had to act by faith. The gift of tongues is the same way. Yes. When you go to receive it, when, when somebody prays for you, if you don't act on it, you're not going to, it's, it's there, but it, you're not going to know it. You're not going to receive it. It's, it's the same way with healing. You have to receive the healing. You have to, you have to grab a hold of it. You just, have to, you just have to grab it, and you just have to go for it, and you just have to heal. You just have to go for it. You just have to do it. Let's keep reading just a little bit more because there's some other things that took place that night. All right. Let's read a little bit more. I've lost where I was. Oh, eight, oh. Oh, we were in verse 30. Verse 30, gotcha. Okay. <clears throat> but Simon's wife's mother lay sick of a fever, and anon they tell him of her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and immediately the, fil the fever left her, and she ministered unto them. And at evening, when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. There he goes, healing all that are, here comes all the diseased, and here comes those possessed of a devil. Now, I said last week, there, when they said possessed of a devil, it doesn't, they don't necessarily mean it exactly the same way we mean it today because of language changes. When they said in the, in the New Testament, possessed of a devil, it could be anywhere from just being influenced by the activity of a devil, being influenced, having a physical manifestation like sickness, being influenced, or it could mean all the way to the degree that a demon spirit lives inside that person's human spirit and, and controls every aspect of their life. So it could be anything in that frame. Anything in there. So just because Jesus brought somebody that was possessed with a devil didn't mean his spirit was necessarily dead and that there was a demonic spirit controlling his human spirit. Um, it could just simply mean that there was a devil that had put a sickness on there. There was a, there was a demon that was, that was putting sickness there. In other cases, it could mean that they were possessed and acting out as a demon. Um, different things. Um, but notice here that he says, so this was that evening. Now, um, Mark's, I mean, Matthew's doesn't tell us about this part that happened that evening. I like the next couple of verses here because, it, because in 32 it says, And that evening when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils. And all the city was gathered together at the door. This was the city of Galilee. This wasn't a small town. They, they all piled up wanting to see and wanting to experience. And he healed many that were sick of diverse diseases and cast out many devils and suffered not the devils to speak because they knew him. And in the morning, uh, you can go on. Okay. So here, you notice it says, he said, uh, demons, you're not to speak. Because remember, this is early in his ministry. And we talked about that when the leper came to him, that Jesus healed him and said, go show yourself to the priest and don't tell people what I did. 
And the reason he told him that wasn't because he didn't want other people healed. He told him that because he knew as the word got out who he was, that they would come to take him out faster. So he was trying to buy himself time. So not only did he tell the people, don't go telling everybody. Listen, when you tell somebody not to go tell anybody, what do they do? They go tell everybody. So he told, So when he was dealing with these demons, now this freaks people out, but it's true, it's real. I witnessed it with my own eyes. That most of you in this room have witnessed it with your own eyes. When somebody has a demon living on the inside of them, uh, and that demon manifests, you can actually have a conversation with that demon. But it's not a conversation like, hey, how's the weather? It's not a conversation like that. It's like, I told you to come out, and they're like, no. Well, what makes you think you can stay? I have a hold on them. And I have a hold. What's the hold? Well, I have this situation right here. Well, that's stupid. Get out in the name of Jesus. It's kind of how the conversation goes. Just being honest. Then they get all sad and weepy and sound like whiny children. But I don't want to leave my home. Shut up. Get out. So, so you can have this conversation with these demons. Any case. But notice Jesus said he forbid the demons to say who he was. In fact, he said, you're not going to speak. Why? Because how much do you know when you see a person and they're talking in their completely normal language and they seem like a regular person and then you address the demon and all of a sudden things change, but they're still talking to you, that gets your attention. <laughs> and you don't want, <laughs> uh, so he said, he said uh, demon, not only are you going to not act out, uh, but you're also not going to talk and you're going to leave. Yeah, and the whole entire city was watching this. The entire city of Galilee was watching. So, again, how many people got healed? All. All. Well, actually it says many. doesn't say oh. all in this case. It says many. Why many? Why many? Because we just talked about it. We just talked about the battery. We just talked about, you know, I'll see somebody sick in the, you know, going around town. I'll see somebody sick and I'll go, Lord, can I go pray for him? Hey, can I go, can I go with minister healing to them and he'll say no but you can pray that they have an open door you can pray that laborers will come across their path to help prepare them to receive so there were people that were coming out of speculation and i just said we've been in services where there were people with new wheelchairs the majority of them got up and walked without their wheelchair left the service i mean i was still there when people left and the wheelchairs were still there they left them behind but then there were a few that left in their wheelchairs. Why? Because they were coming to, to spectate and not coming to receive. So some people will use this scripture to say, well, see, he healed many, but he didn't heal all. Well, whose fault is that? Does it say that Jesus refused to heal them? No, it says that he healed many. That he healed many. Uh Let's go to um, Luke. Let's look at this account in Luke chapter 4, verse 38. Luke 4, 38. I'm on Luke. Now, Luke is the doctor. So more than likely, we're going to get more information from Luke. 
let's find out if he gives us more information. All right, verse 38. And he arose out of the synagogue and entered into Simon's house. And Simon's wife's mother was taken with a great fever, and they besought him for her. So now we know that they were, it says that they besought him. So it wasn't one that casually mentioned it. As he said, Anon means to quickly declare. Because he looked it up for me. Uh, it, it, um, but they, they, they said, oh, by the way, Jesus, we're here, and um, mom needs to be healed. And he they made a request of him. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever, and immediately it left her. And immediately... She arose and, and ministered unto them. Glory to God. So now look at this. He said, and he stood over her. He stood over her. What does that show? Authority. Authority. He didn't get down and he didn't bow down to that thing that was causing, causing fever. And then also showing authority, he rebuked the fever. He rebuked the fever. He commanded the fever to go. So this is the, we've read three accounts, and only this one time do we see that he commanded the fever to go. So really what we can see is he went in, they went into the house, they've been ministering in the synagogue, they went into the house to rest. They said, oh, by the they all came to him and said, by the way, mother-in-law is in the other room, she has a fever, she has a sickness, is there anything that you can do for her? And he goes into the room, he stands over the top of her, and he, he stands over her and says, fever, get out in Jesus' name. Then he reaches out his hand and pulls her up, and she responds, and immediately the fever leaves. Now, the fever is left, and now we find out that not only did the fever leave, she didn't lay in the bed recovering. She got up and cooked him dinner. She ministered to him. In other words, she served them. She tended to them. Probably, honestly, when it says she ministered to them, more than likely she got down on her knees and washed their feet because they had been traveling all day and prepared food. Do what? Yeah. 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 See, and that's, but that's how faith is. Faith says it's done. It's finished. Now, she'd been, how much do you know? Now, listen, when your body comes in contact with that much power of God, uh, yeah, you're energized. When your physical body comes into contact with the anointing, listen, I'm telling you, by, I'm telling you the truth. There are many, many, many times because of the metal in my back and, and the wearing of my joints because of the metal in my back that I, coming into service, I'm kind of stiff and sore, achy, not going to lie. But, man, I get in contact with the anointing, and I feel like a spring chicken. I do. I feel like a spring chicken. I'm like, woo, let's run, let's party, let's leap, let's, you know, a cow out of the, you know, a, a baby calf out of, the, out of the stall. Come on, let's do it. And then the anointing leaves. And I'm like, oh, Jesus, where'd you go? <laughs> oh, Jesus, where'd you go? But how much, you know, the day's coming when we'll be able to walk in that anointing continuously. Because honestly, if that anointing was on me 24-7, I wouldn't be able to sustain it. Because, it. because it does make the body tired. You can't sustain it. Which is why we all have to be changed. Glory to God. So we see here 
through these three accounts that this picture looks a little different. And each time, that each, each person gives us another piece of the puzzle. But what do we know? Now, did Jesus go in and teach this time? No. No. But what do we know? This is the disciples' house. Obviously, they're talking about him a lot. So obviously, she had already heard. They had already heard. They had already witnessed. You know, when, some, when, some, when one of our church people come in that we've been teaching and teaching and teaching, very rarely do I have to stop and teach them before I can lay hands on them. I just say, oh, you need prayer? Okay, well, let's handle it. Bam, done. You know, and it's done. Very rarely do I have to teach them. Now, if we've got somebody that's new to the church and never been taught about healing, then I've got to take the time to teach them. But she'd, she'd obviously heard. We know from this account that Jesus commanded the sickness to go. Did he beg and plead? Nope. Did he ask the Father God to send healing power? No. Nope. No? Why? Because the healing power was already available. It was already there. The healing power was already there. So just like now, Kathy said, because he was the anointed, he is the great physician. Uh, he had not yet been to the cross, but he is the great physician, so the anointing is there. But in our in our well, dispensation, and the Holy had come on him. right? In our dispensation, Jesus has been to the cross and put all sickness away, so we have the same authority in His name. So if I go to somebody's house, go to somebody that has a fever, and we have the same Spirit living inside of us that was on Jesus. That's right. So I can go to somebody that has a fever, or uh, we've gone to somebody that had a heart, a staph infection in his heart, and they were like, "We don't know if you're going to live or die." We've gone to people with cancer. They said, no, you're going to die. With that same authority, we went in and we commanded the, the staph infection. We commanded the cancer to go. And guess what? Has to go. But also in every situation, the person that we prayed for where we got results, they had to do an action. They had to do an action. One person had just, just received and worshipped, knowing he was healed. Another person or two other people had to walk in forgiveness. They had to choose to forgive. One forgave immediately on the spot, received instantaneous healing. Another person pondered on it for a few days, got over, gave the forgiveness, went back to their own home church and got prayed for, received. Glory to God. Another, another situation in the, in, in the time of teaching and ministry and spending time with them, the Lord showed me that that person had an issue with worry. So they had to make the commitment in that moment, I'm not going to worry anymore. They repented. They got right with God. They received the healing. And three days later, they went for another scan, and there was not one stitch of cancer in their body. And they had it from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. Gone instantly. But, that, what, but what I'm saying is they had to do something. Just like she had to do something, just like the mother had to do something, when Jesus reached out his hand, she had to reach out. When he pulled, she had to go with him. Just like that, in order for healing to occur today, we've got to respond in faith, or it's not going to work. Glory to God. You want to go on with this? Is there more that we've got going? Oh, yeah. Well, remember, we read further down in, oh, in, yeah. in, in Mark. Yep. So, all right. Now, when the sun was setting... All they that, that had any sick with diverse diseases brought them unto him. And he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. So in this case, it's saying that he did heal them all. Wow. And the devils also came out of many, crying out and saying, Thou art Christ, the Son of God. 
And he, rebuking them, suffered them not to speak, for they knew that he was Christ. The, de the demons know. The demons know. They know who Christ is. They said, <laughs> they said, uh, you told us to leave, and the answer is, uh, you are the Christ, and we is gone. We is gone. I told the Lord... I think I can say it. As I've been pointing out, and I've been pointing this out for a reason, as I pointed out, sometimes in order to deal with sickness, you have to deal with demons. Sometimes you do. And uh, this ministry was established on two main flows of ministry. The day, that we, the day that this church was established in the Spirit, we had two different flows of the Holy Ghost. We had a flow of joy, and we had a flow of authority and power over demons in Jesus' name. The second service, demons were cast out. So we have two main flows in this ministry, the spirit of joy, the anointing of joy that breaks the yoke, or that, 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 you know, that anointing, and the casting out of demons. Personally, I don't like the second one. I don't. Because demons don't like to be cast out, and they like to try to put you in fear and intimidation. It's not comfortable. They try to put you in fear and intimidation. And when you evict them from their human home, they really don't like it that you have that authority. And they come back at you in the spirit realm, and they try to intimidate you to keep you from doing it anymore. That's what they try to do. And they're relentless for a period of time. Relentless. So I just told the Lord, I said, Lord, I'm, I don't want to play with that anymore. I've done mine. I'm done. <laughs> you know, my sister, when she had Jordan, she said, we're on the one and done plan. And I told, the G I told Jesus after we dealt with the first set of demons, I said, well, that's our one and done. We're done. Um, there was more than one. Uh, but then um, about a year later, here come another person that needed deliverance. And so then I said, okay, Lord, uh, that's two. We're definitely done now. And uh, the Lord said, no, this is just the beginning. <laughs> so I don't like that. But I said that to say this. In order for us to get some people healed, we're going to have to confront some demons. That's what's going to have to happen. But notice that Jesus said, that, notice the Spirit said, thou art the Christ. And they came out. So I told Jesus, knowing and understanding what part of our call is, I told Jesus, I said, Jesus, if that's the anointing, and if that's the call, and that's the direction that we're to go with, go in, listen, when you're a baby Christian, you will ask for things that you have no idea what you're asking for. You have no idea. But God hears the heart, and he knows you made that request from the heart, and he will honor it. So I said, I said, uh, Lord Jesus, I said, well, I said, if that's the flow, if that's the anointing, I said, well, then uh, I need to have so much anointing that I'm like Jesus. When I say go, they go, and there's not a fight. You know, it's not a 45-minute, an hour minute. Listen, Lester Summerall, it was Lester Summerall, I believe it was, because he dealt with demons all the time. Lester Summerall dealt with one man that had a demon in him. And that, man, that demon caused that man to stand on one foot, 
with his tongue out. Not moving. Not moving, not making a sound, nothing. Like a statue. For six hours. For six hours, Lester Summerall stood there and said, You come out in the name of Jesus. You come out in the name of Jesus. You come out in the name of Jesus. For six hours, that demon stood there. Or that man being controlled by the demon. Six hours. Man, I can't do it for six seconds. Did it for six hours. So I got, to, I got to thinking about that, and I thought, Lord Jesus, I've dealt with him for about 45 minutes, got him set free, dealt with him for about an hour and a half, got him set free. Six hours, are you kidding me? I said, Lord Jesus, in this day, in this hour, the way the demons are running rampant, I need to be so anointed that the moment that we say come out, they come out, there's no big scene. That's my goal. But in order to get there, that's going to take a lot of commitment on my part. Fasting and prayer. Fasting and prayer. But how much you know, Jesus had that level of commitment. And we're supposed to look just like him. We're supposed to look just like him. Well, this is prayer and healing school. Aren't we supposed to be getting healed? Yeah, but I'm supposed to be teaching y'all how to get people healed. And the way you're going to get people healed is to get full of the anointing. To get full, get consecrated, dedicated, and committed. Because I think we're only getting one healing done tonight. <laughs> because I'm going to tell y'all right now. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go ahead and just break the news to you. Let's go ahead and break the news to you. So well, I have a dear friend, Miss Lisa. I have a dear friend, Miss Lisa. She's followed Brother Randy for years, and I was unaware that Miss Lisa pays a lot of attention to me behind the scenes. I was totally unaware of this. So we were at a meeting together. I believe it was last year, and we were hanging out and talking and what have you. And she looked at me, and she said. Miss Robbie, I said, yes, Miss Lisa. She said, I heard you had some encounters with some demons and you cast them out. I said, yes, ma'am, Miss Lisa, that's true. She said, you had more than one, right? And I said, yes, ma'am, that's true. She said, tell me about it. I said, oh, Miss Lisa, it's not what you think it is. So we talked about it a little bit, and then she kind of paused, and she looked at me, and she said, "This makes, she, she looked at me, and she's real happy. She's real giddy. She's real outgoing. And she looked at me. She said, I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. I said, what? She said, you follow, Brother Rand, you follow Brother Randy too closely to not flow in the same anointing that he flows in. <laughs> she said, I knew he'd been, he had cast out all those demons in prison. He said, I knew you were going to do it. Hopefully I not going to prison. I said, right, right. I said, I said, I looked at her and I said, well, you could have informed me. I said, but I'm sending the next one to you. And she said, oh, no, you have practice. You can handle it. <laughs> so that's not fun. So. Although you do go to the prison to minister. From time to time. That's Miss Ann's department. I'll send her. I'll send my mom and let her deal with the devil. <laughs> so on that note. On that note, you're called to this ministry. You're called to this flow. Guess what? Don't think I have to say it. We were talking about that a little bit at lunch. Miss Brianna and Derek and I, and I was kind of sharing that point with them, and they both said, Pastor, you need to stop. I said, what? They said, Pat, and I hadn't even got to that point. I was just building up to it. They said, Pastor, you need to stop right now. You need to stop right now. And I said, what? They said, 
All I'm going to say is there's been dreams. And I'm not a fan. And you just don't need to say anymore. Well, honey, the prophet has declared that in this last time day, last time in move of God, there's going to be a revival. You know what the word revival means? There's a lot of talk about revival. You know what the word revival actually means? Wake up. It actually <laughs> means bringing the dead to life. Bringing the dead to life. So the revival that's going around is a revival of prayer, and it's bringing the art of prayer, which has been dead in the Christian churches, back to life. Amen. But it should have never died to begin with. No. That's why we're in the, That's exactly right. That's why. Well, guess what? There's going to be a revival of divine healings. There's going to be a revival of casting out devils and demons. There's going to be a revival of the power of God moving supernaturally. But in order for us to get there, guess what? We've got to consecrate, dedicate, commit ourselves to the word, know what the word says. That's why in sermons we've got to take our time. Because you can't just give a 20-minute sermon and get people ready to walk in, their, walk in their service and what they're called to do. You can't. you got to spend time in the Word. But what I want you to see from the healing that we looked at tonight, there was no long, drawn-out prayer session. There was no long, drawn-out pleading for healing to take place. There was no, like, begging God to send the healing there was no, God, if it's your will to heal, then heal. And if not, then let him walk through the fire. There was none of that. Jesus simply went to those. When people that were sick and needed healing were brought to him, he, he, he just commanded the sickness to go. They walked in faith. They, they responded in faith, and they were healed. Healing is that simple. Healing is that simple. That simple. I mean, we're not. We're, we're barely halfway through chapter eight, and man, I've already got. I mean, we've already made a case that healing belongs to us, and healing is easy to receive. And we're only in chapter eight of Matthew. This might take some time, Jesus. You're going to have to put us on a quicker speed dial. <laughs> but we're going through all four gospels at one time together. We're drawing the picture all together. Well, glory to God. Praise the Lord. I'm done. Do you have anything? I'm good. You're good? The anointing just said, you're done. You're done. So glory to God. So if you need healing, let me do it this way. If you need healing in your body, glory to God. If you need healing in your body, and I've not already prayed for you tonight, come to the front. It just, it just hit my spirit. Anybody that needs actual physical healing and needs a touch. Very good. She said, I'll take that. All right. Jackie, is there anything specifically that you need healed? Yes, but be your neck and your shoulders. Okay. Very good. Very I don't know good. why you'd be dishonest about that, but okay. So? <laughs> Teaching time. Teaching time. She's up here in tears, and she said, "Can I, I asked her if there was anything specific, and she looked at me weird, and I thought, oh, dear Lord, don't bring up, don't be inappropriate, we're live. Right. That's where, that's where my brain went. Dear Lord, don't be inappropriate, we're live. And, uh, and I thought, what does she need healed? Oh, Lord, I didn't know I asked a loaded question. She was with a look on her face, and she said, well, I need my neck and my shoulder healed. 
And I thought, well, what was the distress? And then she said, well, it's weird because I've already been prayed for for it. So the devil will tell you that it didn't work last time, so it's not going to work this time. And you need to know that's a lie of the devil. And sometimes, honey, you need a second, a third, a fourth touch. Sometimes you do. Because sometimes sickness, is, you can get healed or get, a, get an initial healing, and then you may un, unknowingly open a door and that same package be re-delivered. Or sometimes it takes a long time for your healing to manifest, and you just need an extra touch. So there's nothing, and, and the other thing is, is revelation comes. So sometimes we come up for healing out of a head knowledge and not out of a heart knowledge, and that's why the healing doesn't take place. So there's and sometimes the healing does take place, but then we open the door back up to Satan. Right. And then he can come back in. So that's why, you know, I mean, we're, we're all growing in the Lord. We're all, we all make mistakes. We all sometimes do things that, that we know are wrong. That's why as soon as we open that door, we need to slam it shut and ask for forgiveness. And, and, and how can you open the door, it, specifically in your situation, with your neck and your shoulder? That's why the Bible says to be quick to repent. What can happen, these are just some things that I just hear in my spirit. One way to open a door is the Lord might deal with you about sleeping a certain way. And then you, because you get busy or frustrated or whatever, you purposely sleep the way the Lord told you not to sleep. And the devil said, ha-ha, I got her. That can happen. Or because God supernaturally healed you, you think, oh, man, it's healed, and therefore you don't do maintenance care. <laughs> right. And you, and you do the same, and oh, you I'm cause the now. same I injury. Go, uh, I can go saw so, logs and, right. and so, go heavy lumber. Right. <laughs> so sometimes we create the injury over again by not using godly wisdom. So we're going to pray, and you are going to be healed. You are going to be healed. But at the same time, you need to use godly wisdom and continue to do what the doctors have said to do for it until such time as you get the knowing on the inside that God said, yeah, now you're permitted to kind of do these things. So I know God healed you of an allergy to apples. And I know that from time to, and that you still pray and say, God, I really would like to have an apple today. Is it okay? And sometimes God will say, yeah, that's okay. And sometimes God will say, no, that's not okay. You know, you're not that particular apple or not today or whatever because God knows. Well, the same thing applies with your shoulder. The same thing applies with your shoulder. So you need to constantly be maintaining, God, I know that you've healed this. I know that I'm healed. I know that I'm whole. But help me to help me to keep that healing. Does that make sense? All right. Close your eyes and just get ready to receive. Thank you. Remind me, which shoulder is it? That one? Yeah, you're standing a little crooked. I, she kind of got the hump shoulder going on just a little bit. All right. So because you do have a because you are sleeveless, I'm going to anoint that shoulder with oil. Okay. So Father, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Oh, we thank you for divine healing. Father, we command the healing power of God to enter into Jackie's shoulder and enter into her, her neck and her back. And, Father, we command everything to be lined up. 
We command, oh, Ushanda, ah, oh, Samaha. Go ahead, just relax. Go. You're good. Go, go, go. You're okay. Just let God heal. Just let God heal. Just put your arms down and relax and just let God work. Just let God heal. Father, the healing power. Father, we command the muscles to line up. We command the knots to be released. We command the joints to be healed. We command everything to be in line. We command the shoulders to line up. We command the neck to line up. We command all pain to leave in Jesus' name. All right, Miss Bridget, what you got going on? Yep. Okay. 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 Lord's been, uh, while I was standing there talking to her, I heard the word eyes. Are we still believing for the eyes? Yes. Okay. Okay. Well, I heard the Lord say eyes. So just get ready for a miracle. Just get praise ready. God. Just get ready. You know, and if it happens immediately, I will praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm going to shout. If it takes time, that's okay. But I heard the Lord specifically say eyes, and I knew it was for you. So, yep, so absolutely. And emotions can cause more stress and strain on the vision and things like that. So just just close your eyes, get your image of Jesus, get ready to receive. Father, I thank you. Father, as I anoint Miss Bridget, Father, I'm going to get back here and anoint her neck too. Father, ah, Father, I command the healing power of God into Bridget from the top of her head to the soles of her feet, especially in the area of emotion. Father, we command her sleep cycles to normalize in Jesus' name. Father, we command all stress, all fear, all worry, all concern to be gone in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for divine, for divine wisdom, divine knowledge. And Father, I even anoint her eyes. Father, I heard you say her eyes. And so, Father, we speak godly vision into her and we anoint her we anoint her with oil and we command perfect vision to enter into her in Jesus mighty name and father sike ashunda mama shiki ishandande masaku ushanda mama shiki ishande soranda mama shiki ishandande masiki ishande sorandande masiki ishandande masiki isite now, I'm human and I can miss it, Miss Bridget, but I hear the Lord saying, Mari is my responsibility, that you've been concerned for him, as, as you should be as his wife, but you've been carrying the care of the, of the, of the uh, physical attacks that would have been upon him, so concerned that fear has tried to grip you. And the Lord wants you to know that he sees Mari and he's working on him. There's some things that are blockading his reception and God's working on it. But the Lord said to tell you this, Mari is his responsibility, not yours. So begin to just thank me and begin to just praise me that he's healed, that he's whole, that he's heard from heaven and that he's received and I'll do a work in him on your behalf as well as he is in jesus mighty name glory to god glory to god wasn't expecting that but i just plainly i just plainly heard the lord say mari and she's worrying about him so you you just lay it over so when that worry comes you say nope god i praise you that he's healed i praise you that he's whole i'm not i'm not gonna 
don't even plead his case anymore. Don't plead his case anymore. Just, Father, I thank you that he's healed. Father, I thank you that he's whole. Just, I thank you. I thank you. Yep. 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 Miss oh, Ann, right. praise the Lord. Mike's in the house. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, man, oh, man, it's been a good night. Tithes and offerings. Oh, <laughs> glory to God. Let's do that, too. Glory to God. I've left my stuff in the back once again. Well, praise the Lord. Glory to God. Well, Lord. Thank you, Father. I can do that. Let's do that. You go ahead and you pray, and then we'll do that. Lord, we thank you for thank this you, word that we've received tonight. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you that it works and moves in us even when we don't feel a thing. We thank you that, that we have received it and that we are holding on to it, and we will guard against the devil coming. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Devil, we bind you in the name of Jesus. We are tithers, we are givers, and we have the authority given to us by Jesus Christ to rebuke you. And we rebuke you in Jesus' name. You cannot come to steal, kill, and destroy. We are the healed. We are the blessed. We are the children of God. And you cannot move in our lives in Jesus' name. Yes, Father God, we command Satan to take his hands off the increase of the people. Release it and let it go. We command the angels to go and cause prosperity to come in every area of life. Father, we thank you that the word is working. Now, Father, mine and Michael's offering is in the back, but I lay my hand on the offering plate by faith, and I thank you for an increase in seed to sow in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. You can serve the people. Glory to God. Well, we've got service Wednesday night. We've got prayer for the nation Saturday morning. Glory to God. Uh,